Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. Glad I'm saved, say amen. It helps if the speaker's saved, you know, a little bit. If <laughs> uh, we mentioned last night, we're in the middle of moving in this retirement all at the same time, so Shelly couldn't be here this morning, and I have a funeral this afternoon. And uh, but she's planning on being here tomorrow and tomorrow night, and uh, so we're looking forward to seeing what God's going uh, to do this morning as well as tomorrow. There was this two couples or in their late 80s, I mean, they were an old couple. And uh, they were sitting on the front porch, rocking in the rocking chair. And uh, the wife spoke to her husband. Both of them were not, they couldn't hear very well. And so the wife said, you know, I'm so proud of you. And he said, what? He said, I'm so proud of you. Speak up, I can't hear a word you're saying. She said, I'm proud of you. And he said, well, I'm tired of you too. <laughs> you know, hearing aids probably would save some marriages. I know mine, my wife and I, back and forth. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I'm tired of you. We all kind of live tired. Uh, but the Bible says, though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. Amen. You don't ever have to grow old inwardly or spiritually, it's usually outwardly things we can't control. But uh, this thing of marriage, it's, you know, there's it, never gonna be a time that you don't need encouragement about home and marriage. And that's the key to a great church, it's great families. My, my first year, 29 years ago, I, I preached pastor almost 50 years. I was in Georgia, state of Georgia for almost 20 years. But when I first came to Victory, I preached on the home for 52 weeks in a row at, in the evening service, Sunday night, every Sunday night, building families by the book. Building them by the book. It became our, actually that's, that, that's printed on most all of our things there at Victory, building families by the book. Because as I said last night, this book is not a rule book, it's an answer book. God has an answer for everything. I mean, you name it, <laughs> it's got an answer for it. And, uh, and it's never been wrong. And that's why the hardest thing for, for me, and I, I don't know about you, but I think the devil would rather us go soul winning than read the Bible. I think that's his greatest fear. The devil's greatest fear is that God's people are gonna get into the Bible every day and the Bible's gonna get into them. It's easier to pray. You can pray anywhere, can't you? While you're driving. I don't recommend you read your Bible while you're driving. But you could say, well, I'll pray, and we'll go to church and all that. But to actually sit down and read the Bible. But more than that is getting it into your heart and into your mind. And uh, we got to get past this thing that the Bible, we open the Bible on Sunday. We go to church to grow spiritually. 
And it'll be a great time in our life when we realize that every day for the Christian, <laughs> amen, every day amen. we're to worship God. We don't just worship God on Sunday, right? We worship God all week. And we learn to read the Bible. And let me say this. Uh, I encourage, obviously, couples to read the Bible together. And it's, that's another challenge because of our jobs and schedules and just so many things. But the most important thing is that you have individually your personal time with God on a daily basis. I played, I've been in music all my life, played music and music theory and all that. And uh, one of the great keys, whether you play, uh, I played the clarinet or played the guitar or whatever. When I pick up a guitar, the first thing you do if you're a guitar player, is you make sure it's in tune. If one string's out of tune, I mean, it's horrible. You can't hardly stand to listen to any music, whether, whether somebody's singing or playing an instrument. It, it's, it's, you can't hardly endure it if it's out of tune. But when a husband and a wife in their individual time with God will tune to Christ. Most people want to tune to each other. Husband and wife tune up together. No. You, when a husband or a father tunes up to Christ and the wife's tuned up, when they come together, they'll both be in tune. They'll both be in harmony. Isn't that what you want in your home is harmony? Not noise. <laughs> harmony. Peace, enjoying each other. Um, <laughs> years ago, they don't use them anymore, but they used to have a, what they called a tuning fork. Anybody ever hear of that? It looks, looks like the, the wishbone of a bionic chicken. <laughs> and it's, it's a funny thing to look at. Of course, they don't use them much anymore. But you tune to Christ, and then when you come together, and then spending your time, Shelly always has hers, very early in the morning in a special place she likes to be alone with God. He's always done that. It's the same thing with me. But then we come together. And sometimes I'm not there. Sometimes this comes up and that comes up. But uh, to have some kind of a spiritual life rather than just meeting together at church. Some kind of a spiritual. You know, a communication between a husband and wife, uh, certainly there's a physical intimacy that God designed for men and women, but there's also um, a spiritual, there should be a spiritual intimacy. How often you and your wife discuss a, a, a verse or a topic or a prayer request with each other, something like that, just say, what, what's your plans for today? How can I pray for you? Or how can I encourage you? Uh, intellectual intimacy, where, where they discuss intellectual things, emotions, how do you feel? Those kind of things. <laughs> By the way, I, I just saw a book, it's, I'm, and I'm a little behind on time sometimes, and I can't think of the author I was going to tell you, but it's called uh, Women Are Like Spaghetti and Men Are Like Waffles. That's the title of the book. Anybody ever heard of that book? Have you? And I, it really caught my attention. And the woman likes spaghetti because it's just connected, they're all connected, and just goes, I mean, they're touching everything all the time. But the man, his life is about waffle. Everything's in, in place in a perfect little square, you know. And we check them off. I did this today. You know, pat me on the back. I did this, I did this, I did this. Where women is just spaghetti everywhere. <laughs> and that really describes my wife and I's relationship. But 
There's, there are some good, good books out there. But, stay, but being in that harmony, that's what, that's what you want the goal to be. Um, let me say one thing and we'll get into this. Uh, there's three words. I don't know if you're taking notes today, but if you'd like to just write these three words down. <laughs> and it's interesting. I like to look at God this way. I like to look at people this way. Um, it's a little silly, I guess, but it, it really makes the point. Mad, glad, and sad. They all rhyme. Mad, glad, and sad. When you read in the Bible and you notice what makes God mad, I know that's not the proper grammar, but God gets angry in the Bible, right? Judgment. What, ma- what makes God angry? Be good to know that. Be good to write them down sometime. I mean, God can get angry. And what makes God sad? Did you know God has emotions? Did you know God, when the word it says he was grieved, it means he was sad, his, he was moved. He, God had a, has those feelings, and he, we created us in his image. Okay? And so we have time. Sad, you know, sadness is part of life. And then what makes God glad? What makes God happy? There's times when God just rejoiced over his people, sang over his people, and enjoyed blessing them. Now, there's other emotions, but now I want you to transfer that to you and your spouse. And you don't need to spend a lot of time here, but just maybe what pops. What makes my husband mad? When's the last time your husband really got upset? I mean angry. What was it about? When was the last time your spouse wept? Can you remember the last time your husband or wife wept? What did they weep about? That'd be interesting to know. You know, a lot of, a lot of spouses cry at night after the lights are out and they're lying on their pillow because they have such burdens and they nobody to talk to and my husband doesn't understand or my wife doesn't understand. But if you could know that. And what makes them glad? When's the last time your husband laughed and your wife laughed? What makes, makes her laugh? What makes her so glad? We're going to see a verse of Scripture in a few minutes in Ephesians that says, dwell with them according to knowledge. He's speaking really to husbands but it works both directions. The, the more you know and understand, the better you can close that gap and you can make good decisions. You can say, you know, my wife or husband seems a little, a little worried, a little down lately. I know what will cheer him up. I know what makes him glad. So I think about that in that relationship. When, when's the last time you've, your spouse, and did you notice it? Could you write it down? There's one thing I know that really get, he, get, he or she gets upset about. And obviously, there would be more than one, but, but all three of those things. So that's kind of where we're heading the, today. And somebody was teasing me a while ago, when are you going to get off the husbands and get on the wives? <laughs> and we are going to get to that. But again, you've got to understand, God... Husband, 
wife, children. That's not in order of importance. It's not in order of a matter of inferior or superior. Men are better at some things than women are. Women are better than men are on a lot of other things, okay? So it has nothing to do with that. But every man has to have a head. A wife is not going to submit very happily to a husband who's not submissive to God. Now, we're talking about Christians. If you're not a Christian, it's not going to work at all. But if you're a Christian, a lot of men want their wives to be under their authority. Well, the question is, are you as a husband under the authority of God? Is he, the head, is he your head? Okay. The head of the family, the leader of the family. And that's, again, that's not a dict, dict, dictatorship. It's a servant leadership. You don't tell your family to go do something. You say, follow me. Yeah. We're going to church today. We're going to have a good, we're going to the park there. We're going to have some good times today. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Now, of course, again, a good father and husband wants to please his family and make them happy. And so some of those decisions, but you lead the way. And most of the time, there's, there's going to be some problems sometimes with women who are not surrendered to God. And they have a rebellious spirit. And they have some unsettled problems. They, they, they don't, they, they, they've been hurt. And by the way, hurt people hurt people. You've heard that before. Most people that have problems usually are people who've been hurt. And sometimes our deepest hurts come from family husbands and wives. And they forgive, but they have a hard time forgetting, and it, keeps, it seems to surface every now and then. And uh, so, so it's very, very important that you understand that, that uh, those hurts can come, and we need, we need that healing, but you've got to get this in your head. The husband is under, he submits to God. The wife, the head of the wife is the husband. The head of the children are the parents. The children aren't the parents. The children aren't to run the house. Most modern homes, everything's catered to the kids. All right, don't get upset. We'll do whatever you want to do. In most, in most modern families, the children are in control. It's, it's almost like if you don't do, it, my, do what I want, I'm, I'm, I'll run away or, or I'll, I'll make life miserable for you. And, uh, but, and so a father, mother, kids, is so very, very important. And this sounds strange, but husbands and wives, your relationship is more important than the parent-children relationship. If you cater to the kids, you're going to, you're going to fail as a husband and a wife, and it's going to show up sooner or later. So many times people, people put their kids before each other. And uh, it's, it's so important that you understand that. Because kids will respond. When they see parents are happy, they're glad they're Christians, they're, they don't have to go to church, they get to go to church. They don't have to do anything, they get to. You see, a lot of kids say, well, we have to go to church because it's Sunday. No, we don't have to. Well, they hear parents sometimes, oh, I don't Back to church again, you know, church, 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 okay. And there is, church isn't what it's all, it's not everything. A person, a family can be at church three times a week and still their family's falling to pieces. 
Okay, this is not a magic area here, all right? But you still got to understand it and balance. If you ask the people at our church, what is Brother Weatherby's favorite word? Every one of them would tell you balance. Balance. You've got to have balance. If you get out of balance, whether it's physically, a lot of physical problems we have is because we get out of balance. A lot of financial problems we have, which is still the number one cause of divorce in America. Most marriages fail because of financial stress and pressure. They're not, they're not in a romantic mood because there's bill collectors calling. They, they can't concentrate on their Bible and devotions because they're, they're having so much financial stressure. stress. How are we going to do this? That's still the number one. And God has the answers for financial problems in the Bible. It works every time for anybody, anywhere, <laughs> anywhere. That's still the number one cause. And we probably won't have a lot of time to spend on that, but I know this church stewardship changed our church. I've, I've been doing stewardship conferences and had them in our church since 1978. That was my first one. And it's changed people's lives and because they realize it's not just about money, but it's about how you look at everything in, in your life. Because for the Christian, Bob Jones Sr. used to say, for the Christian, nothing is secular. You don't, you don't divide the secular and the spiritual. For the Christian, you've got to bring God into everything. Everything. What you wear, what you eat, where you go, what you read, what you do. In all thy ways acknowledge him, Proverbs 3 says, and he shall direct thy paths. Okay. Most people, leave. we're going to talk about God's pattern for husbands and we'll get into the thing for the wife as well. But most people believe that a great marriage is guaranteed if you're just being, just stay in love. Well, they believe no rules are necessary, but here's the point. God is not the author of confusion. If you want, I think that's one of the first. God is not the author of confusion. He's a God of order. Order. Churches sometimes, there's not a lot of order. Everything's just scattered. And you go a lot of times in homes and marriages. There's, there's just not a lot of order. God's creation functions by his laws, and that keeps things in order. Order brings harmony. It brings pleasantness. It brings success. Order. Satan in his world has no order. That's one of the problems with our world today. It's out of order. Mass confusion in our world. Danger and disaster. Romance is not enough for a marriage to succeed. Romance is not enough for marriage to succeed. So how do, how do, you, how do you make it, your marriage endure? And, but not only endure it, <laughs> sounds kind of sad, but to enjoy it. Second Timothy, look at Second Timothy chapter 3. Just remind you the kind of world that we're living in and that your kids are going to, and grandkids are going to have to live in eventually. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Well, they're here. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Uh, if you heard Brother Stewart a lot, which I think most of you have, 
Uh, he always talks about sin as selfishness. That's the bottom line. That's what you narrow it all down to one thing, selfishness. That's our nature. Every one of us like to do things our way, right? We, that's, that's what we have. That's our fallen nature, selfishness. And there's a, most marriage problems are because of selfishness. You won't do it what I want to do. We don't get to go where I want to go. Selfishness, okay? So in the last days, men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, always wanting more, never content, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. This is the world in which we're living in. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. So that's the kind of, that's, that's what we're up against. That's, that's kind of the world in which we live. Now go to Ephesians 5. Because this is, I, I call, I have a, a message called Peter, Paul, and Marriage, because uh, for marriage, Peter and Paul both addressed it very clearly and very strongly. And so anytime you're thinking or dealing with marriage and home life, you need to say, I need, we need to look at Ephesians chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 3. But let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 17. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. What the will of the Lord is. What is God's order? What is God's plan? What does the Bible say? And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, he's not saying it's okay to drink wine as long as it's not excessive. That's what a lot of people like to make you think that's what, that believe, what it means. But he's, he's comparing this as men can become intoxicated or women, uh, whatever. But let, when you're filled with those, the Holy Spirit, you're under the control, you're under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We talked about that last night. Be filled with the Spirit. Notice verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That's before he says, wives submit. That's the next verse. But submitting yourselves one to another. So that's unselfish, submitting. Not my way, but your way. Now, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves. This is something you do by choice. You do it. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Notice those next words, as unto the Lord. <laughs> well, most women say, well, my husband is, there's nothing about him that reminds me of the Lord. It doesn't have anything to do with it. You honor the position of your husband that God's put him in, as unto the Lord. 
For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject, submitted unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands. What's those next three words? In everything. Now that takes faith to do that. It takes grace to do that. To submit. Now we don't need to go in the conversation, I don't think here, that what if my husband wants me to do something that is wrong, that violates scripture? Well, that's a whole other subject. The Bible doesn't say a woman should do what her husband says no matter what. Okay, God's first, right? We honor God. But here, the Bible says we're to be subject in everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Stop there for just a second. Now think about this. I, I bring this out when I perform weddings. What Christ is and does for his church is what a husband is to be and to do for his wife. Now really think about that. What does Christ do for this church, for you individually? What does he do? He loves, he loves us, doesn't he? Unconditionally. He leads us, right? He protects us. He provides our needs. He listens to us when we pray. I mean, we could make probably a long list if we really thought about it. But I want you men to think about it. What Christ does for me and to this church, that's how I need to treat my wife. Okay? I know that's a big, that's, that's a big thing to take on. But God's never asked us or told us to do anything we can't do. That's why he's given us the Bible and the Holy Spirit. When you, when you read your Bible and by faith you say, that's, I'm going to do what the Bible says, submit and fill with the Holy Spirit, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now, flip it around. What do we do as a church or as a Christian? What do, how are we, what do we do for the Lord? Wives, ladies, get your think, think about this. What do we do for the Lord? What are we supposed to do for the Lord? Does anything pop up in your mind? Think about it. We honor Christ. We glorify Christ. We obey Christ. We look and lean on Christ. We take our burdens to Christ. We brag on Christ to other people. That's part of witnessing, telling them what, what a great Savior we have. Okay, so get that in your mind and then lock it in. Put it into your life to your husband. Do you obey your husband? Do you honor your husband? Do you brag about your husband? Do you, are you proud of him? You want other people to know, your friends to know what a great husband. Yeah, I, I know we, we've got faults and failures. We, we all know that. But uh, hopefully you don't go around telling everybody what a jerk you're married to, or, you know, all the faults and failures. The Bible says, he that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter 
Well, that's a different story, isn't it? <laughs> so, wives, when it comes to your husband, obey and you honor him, the position that he's given you, and you, you love him and you try to express your love to him. Um, we men have our problems just like you ladies have problems, but men need to be admired. Women, are, actually, you've read, you probably know Smalley's book, Love and Respect. Um, really, in all the surveys, women want to be loved and they want their love to be expressed, and the, most of the time, the way that's expressed most is conversation, and most men are not conversationalists. That's most, I mean, it's just very, it's very normal. Men's got things to do, places to go, all that kind of stuff. We don't have time to talk, okay? Women, they like to talk. God made them that way, made us that way, right? I mean, that's just a, that's pretty much a, a common fact, okay? And we have to learn to accept that instead of trying to fight it. But it's so important that you understand that as Christ loved the church, gave himself for it, that's a husband who knocks himself out trying to selflessly sacrifice his own wants and desires and express that love just like Christ does to us. And then women back to the husband like we do to the, to the Lord. And that's so, it seems very basic, but most of the time we... Uh, we want to major on the minors and minor on the majors. I mean, can you imagine a car and uh, there's some major problems, it won't start, and there's just this and this and this going wrong. I mean, it's, it's big trouble. And you pull into the garage and they say, what kind of problem? He says, well, I got a taillight out. <laughs> Most of us would rather change bulbs into taillights than to fix the motor. When the red light on the car comes on, the problem's not the light. You don't take a hammer and knock the light out. Yeah, I fixed it. <laughs> That's a warning sign, right? And same thing, same thing true in marriage. You see, we, we want to worry about all the little things and we're, and we're overlooking the, the major things, the, the things that's the most important. Okay, so Ephesians 5 is the manual for marriage, so remember that. It starts, he starts in, verse, in chapter 5 here with self. If you're writing your notes down there, self, that's where you start, preliminaries. Marriage problems are the result of not being right with God. So like I said, when one tunes, if you're right with God as a husband and a wife's right with God, then you come together, you're going to be right with each other. He talks about, interesting. To me, that here, and you also find it over in Colossians, he's talking about the home, and right in the middle of the home, he talks about music. We just read it. Psalms and hymns and spiritual song, singing in your heart to the Lord. You, do you know this? It's hard to believe, but did you know the average family? Now, recently with computers and all, it's, it's, it's changed a little bit. But most people watch television five hours a day. Families. That's a lot. Even four or three would be a lot. Five hours a day. Add that up. Seven times 
35. 35. <laughs> and then how many, how many hours are we in church? How many hours are we in the Bible? How many hours are we actually serving the Lord? You see, television and a lot of things, and I'm not against that. We've got several televisions in our home. It's not a sin. But that television can create an atmosphere in the family, just like music can. And I know they didn't have TVs back in the Bible days. But he said the family atmosphere is important. Have music singing in your hearts to the Lord because it's contagious. It sets an atmosphere. My wife gets up first. She always gets up before me and she gets the coffee and she always immediately turns on music. And when I get up and we're together, we can hear, and we love the old hymns and soft music and stuff like that. And it just, it's, it's just hard to get into a rip-roaring argument with your wife when you're hearing amazing grace. <laughs> they don't fit together, do they? Saturate your home with, with the right music. And then he talks about the attitude of gratitude. We just read about that. And then the submissive attitude. So these, the roles, understanding and fulfilling the roles is critical to the relationship. Understanding and fulfilling the roles is critical to the relationship. What is my job? Usually today, if you, when you look, go interview for a job, that you get a job description. This is what's expected. You probably haven't done this, but it'd be good if we somehow could, a man could say, Honey, what, what, how do you see my job? What is expected of me? What is my responsibility every week? And the wife to say, what is my job? What is, what is God, what did he make me for? What is my purpose? You know, there's a little phrase uh, in the Bible that talks about women guiding the house. It's in, it's in there. We'll read it maybe in a little bit. Guiding the house. You have the husband, the head of the home, but here's the wife that's guiding. She's thinking ahead. She's planning ahead. She's creating an atmosphere. She's, she's keeping the house in order because when there's order, there's, there's more peace. I mean, when everything's a wreck and thrown, scattered everywhere and, and all that, uh, it creates disorder, right? And children react to order when they come in and things are in place and there's an order. It's not just do what you feel like doing anytime you feel like doing it, any way you want to do it. Now, again, put down number one, a clear principle. The husband's first and foremost responsibility is to love his wife. It doesn't say lead. Husbands, love your wives, it says. It doesn't say lead your wives. It doesn't say rule her. It says to love her. What does love mean to you? It's, it's an obsession of caring about someone. Everything a husband does is to be in the context of love. Why do you do this? Because I love my wife. Love is the motive. It's the means. It's his message. It's mannerism. Love your wives. Colossians 3.19 says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. 
what God means by husband, love your wives. The manner, A, the manner of his love. Christ gave himself up for the church. This is the love of self-sacrifice. Not domination. I've said it already several times. I'm going to keep saying it. Christ does not make the church submit. He doesn't make you serve him. Then why do you do it? Why are you here today? Why do you come here tomorrow? Why do you give money to the church? I mean, I'm serious. Why do you do that? Because God doesn't make you do it. Does he? No. What, what's the reason? Love. Okay? You love God. Because he first loved us. So Christ never makes the church submit or serve. He loves us in such a way that we'd be so foolish not to serve him. Because the more we serve him, I mean, he's just so good. Christ's love in a husband is transferred to his wife. You see, men, you, you have to let Christ's love flow in you and through you to your wife and your children and to people. You don't have it in yourself. That's, we're selfish. We're selfish. So it has to be his love, that agape love that only God can give us. Sacrificial love to a wife. You know, in the Roman world, when this was written, uh, <laughs> this was really strange for Paul to write in his day because women had no place in society when he wrote this. I mean, none. She had no rights whatsoever. If she was called an adulterer, it was death. Man had complete control over the female population. There was no re legal recourse. And so when he said this, love your wives as Christ loved the church, this shocked the Roman world. Women were created as objects and slaves, almost less than human, disposable. Only Christ and the gospel could and can ch change people's thinking about this and everything else. If Christ had not come, women would still be in that place. You see, Christ elevated women and men who would love God and put God first. Today you have an agenda which a man basically says, if you'll fulfill uh, my needs, then uh, we can get along. But to love your wife as Christ loved the church, that's not your love, that's Christ's love in you. And we said this a moment ago, 1 Peter, if you want to write down 1 Peter 3, 7 on the side, that's where you find those words, dwell with them according to knowledge. How well do you understand your husband, your wife's pressures, problems, secrets, Where's, where's the battle? What's, what's the biggest battle that your husband or your wife right now is facing? Do you even know that? Most husbands keep it to themselves. A lot of wives have to share it with somebody else because the husband doesn't, that's just not him. Well, how are you, how you going to love and understand and care and, and encourage and help if you don't know where the battle is? Right? What's the biggest burden your wife or your husband has right now? I mean, that's really weighing, that keeps them awake at night. 
What is it? Could, could you guess? That's what we're talking about. Dwell with them according to knowledge. Know them. There are three C's that men that you need to remember. Number one, consideration. Understand her feelings. Sensitivity. Caring enough to ask questions. Sometimes you have wives and men, you have to pull it out of each other. And then taking time to consider the answers, the fears, anxieties, concerns, dreads, goals. Do you wives have any idea what is some of the personal goals of your husband? Personal goals. What does he want to accomplish? What's he dream about when he's by himself and just daydreaming? Oh, man, I, I wish I could do this or do that. Do you, know, do you wives know your husband's dreams? Your wife dreams. Your husband, we dream. Even our kids. A lot of parents have no idea what their kids are thinking about when they're by themselves. During the day, what's going on? No, most families come into the house, what's for supper? Eat, watch a little TV, do your homework, go to bed. <laughs> what kind of life is that? Remember the children of Israel that wandered in the wilderness? How long? Forty years. They were sustained. God took care of them. Their shoes didn't wear out and all that. But they ate manna every day. <laughs> same old, same old every day. They weren't in the promised land. The promised land was about 11 days journey from where they were. Hard to believe. But because of unbelief, they didn't go in, and they lived in the wilderness. Now, can you imagine a mom and dad in the wilderness every day, sitting down with their kids and said, sure is wonderful to be a Christian, isn't it? Kids weren't impressed, I'm sure. Is this, is this what it's all about? Is this serving God? Just trying to get from A to B? Is that, is that what it's all about? What are your, or are your kids saying, wow, we got things and we do things and we know things and we hear things and we understand things that none of my friends at school understand. And the whole world is going down, but we're going up. Understanding each other. Everybody's worth understanding. Everybody. We, we look at people, we make snap judgments they always look mad. Did you ever think about someone that oh, never friendly, never smile? Did you ever cross your mind that they're in pain, excruciating pain, but they still come to church? They still try to do what they're supposed to do, but no, they're not bubbly. They're not telling jokes. They're not going around and shaking hands. Wow, he's such a cold-hearted person. You don't understand. Maybe you don't understand. Now, transfer that into marriage. You, my, my husband's this, and do you understand why he's the way he is? Do you understand how he was raised? Do you understand uh, how, what kind of, who's had influence in his life? Same thing with a wife, how she, how she was raised. My, my <laughs> Shelly and I were raised so differently. I, we weren't raised in a Christian home, um, but my family never literally 
hardly ever spoke a word. We'd sit at a supper table and eat dinner and nobody say a word. Strange, huh? My wife, they wouldn't shut up and every other word was a cuss word. <laughs> and it was just pandemonium. I mean, just... And mine, it was... And then we come together and spend fun. <laughs> Boy, my wife is a talker. My wife can speak 300 words a minute with gust up to 475. <laughs> but one of the biggest problems my wife has, and I'd say it if she was sitting right here, is I don't, I, I internalize everything. I keep everything to myself. And she wants to please me because she loves me. But a lot of times she doesn't know what's bugging me because I don't talk very much. That's, a real, that's always been a problem. And we still haven't, we're better than we've ever been. Married 50 years, we've made a little progress. Maybe during the next 50 years we'll, we'll get it. But we have to work on that all the time. She has to learn to be quiet once in a while. And I have to learn to speak up once in a while. You see, but the point I'm making is the, the way we were raised, our families, our grandparents, all the way back, and things that happened to us. Understanding, that's the greatest thing you can do in a marriage is to try to understand, and that's only going to happen with stopping, taking time, making time, and enjoy that. You know, I tell uh, young couples when they're dating, they haven't gotten married yet, uh, most of the time they go to eat and they will sit and watch a movie. That's their date. And they don't talk much. What was the best day in your life as a kid? What was the most embarrassing moment? Tell me what kind, did your dad like his job? Did this and that? They don't know anything about each other and they get married. And then they start finding out things. They have an ideal marriage in mind, but then that marriage becomes an ordeal. <laughs> And sometimes they start looking for a new deal, and that's not the answer either. Understanding. Every person is worth understanding. Consideration. So that's the key word there. Consider. The second one is chivalry. We don't use that word very much, but it's a lost word. But it says to treat a woman as the weaker vessel. I don't want to debate with you about it, but God made women physically weaker than men. You say, well, you don't know so-and-so. Well, I don't want to get into that. But basically God's design is for a man to pick up the chair and carry it, not the wife. Okay? Now I understand, I understand obvious thoughts about that. But as the weaker vessel. I heard one time a, a story about, I mean, a, somebody, I can't remember who it was, but they, they talked about a woman and, and caring about a wife and, and being fragile. And uh, he said it was like carrying a flower through a storm. You, you, you have that dear wife that you love with all your heart and the storms of life are blowing and you're carrying her through the wind of adversity and problems and temptations and trials and the wind's blowing, and you're shielding her from that. That's a good picture of, of how a man is to treat his wife. Okay? Keep that in mind. God made the woman weaker physically. 
She is a special design. She's stronger in other ways, absolutely, no doubt about it. But God made her to respond to being under the strength and protection of a man. Look at today's society. Our, our world is determined, and they're doing it basically through our education, schools, and colleges. They're determined to make men and women exactly the same. No difference, right? That's the whole plan. That's the whole idea. Men become women, women become men. There's no roles. I'm just as good as you are. Well, you may be just as good, but God made a role and his role cannot be improved on. I mean, it's a perfect role. Perfect. When you do it God's way, it works. When you don't, it falls apart. You know, in reality, we, people, we talk about breaking God's commandments. You know, really, nobody breaks God's commandments. They break themselves on God's commandments. Look at the lives of people who don't follow God's design. They're breaking themselves, right? I mean, I could take a raw egg and throw it at that wall. That wall's not going to move. The egg's going to splatter and run down the wall. That's a picture of today's society. The commandments are going to stay right where they are. They're never going to change. And people are splattering. And our schools, our public schools are teaching kids. There's no Ten Commandments. There's no right or wrong. There's no absolute. You do what you think is right. You make up your own rules. That's the thinking. That's the modern thinking. Now, you're in a church that preaches, teaches the Bible. You have a Christian school. You have a lot of things going for you that a lot of people have, doesn't have any idea what it's all about. None. They've, they've learned to accept everything. It's all right to slaughter babies every day. It's all right for men to marry men and women. I mean, our, what's wrong with that? That's, that's, the, that's basically where we are today with people that aren't Christians, okay? But if you're a Christian, and again, God still, you go out here today and commit any sin you want to. God's not going to make you. But God says, here's the best thing I've got for you. No good thing will he withhold from them that walketh uprightly. No good thing. God wants you to have the very, very best. Strength and protection. Number three is the word is communion. Treat her with honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Men and women are unequal physically, but they are equal spiritually. Men don't have a special relationship with God that women can never have. No way. In fact, the truth be known, and men, this is uncomfortable, but you, you need to at least hear it every once in a while. Most women read the Bible more than the men do. Most women pray more. Maybe that's not the case. I'm just talking about in the, the whole big picture. Most men have the idea, hey, I go to work, I bring home the paycheck, my wife takes care of the spiritual needs of the family. And so the kids grow up looking to mom for spiritual leadership. That's not the way God designed it. Thank God there are women that have to, and they feel them, they step in and do it. Thank God for that. 
I mean, I'm not down on women that, that take control of things. Who's going to do it? If the husband doesn't do it, somebody's got to make decisions. And some, but, but again, it's, that's, that's, a, that's just the way life is, but that's not the way it has to be. You know, it's interesting in the Bible when it says, if a, talking about the church, if a wife has a question, let her, don't, women keep silent in the church and ask their husband when they get home. That sounds really weird, doesn't it? In, in our modern day society. It sounds strange. But, it, but on a positive side, a man is to be walking so close to God that he can answer the questions of his family. He can say, well, the Bible says, instead of, go ask your mother, I don't have a clue. <laughs> well, there's some things that I have to ask Shelley, <laughs> you know, about that. Again, that mutual submission, and we become one. Remember weaving, cleave, leave, and weave. Genesis 2, become one. But husbands should be able to lead their families spiritually. I know, you mean, I'm really putting on you heavy. But again, I know some women can be a big problem. And wives, uh, you have a man who wants to serve God and a woman that doesn't, uh, it's a major problem. I understand that. But generally speaking, there's exceptions, but generally speaking, if a woman has a husband who's walking with God, talking with God, listening to God, she's going to be impressed. She's going to think, I've got a good man here. He's not perfect. He won't pick up his socks. He won't do this. He won't do that. But he loves God. And he's trying to do the right thing in the right way for the right reason. Amen? Let's take a 10-minute break. I don't know what you're going to do, but a 10-minute break. You could run around the building a couple of times. <laughs> Take a lap. We're going to try to finish by 1130 in case you're wondering how long is this going to be today. On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org.